Good morning. How are we doing? Doing all right? Good. Well, I didn't introduce myself earlier. My name is Alex, one of the pastors here at Lawrence Free Methodist. And again, if you're visiting with us this morning, um, you're our special guest. We're glad that you're here and we, uh, we would love to know that you were here. So please do us a favor and, and just tell us you're here on that connection card. Just maybe a name and uh, email address or something like that. We, we won't hound you. We just we want to know that you were here today. Um, and then, like we like to do this every month, um, we like to recognize our volunteers around here. And I, I did something a little different this time. Normally, uh, I call the person uh, in advance and give them the heads up, and I didn't do that today. And the reason I didn't do that today is because I knew this person would tell me no. And I don't like to take no for an answer. Uh, and so I'm just going to put them on the spot. Um, you, you just need to know that this person's been in, in the church for a long time has the gift of hospitality. In fact, uh, when, we, uh, when I moved here, actually before Wendy m- moved down here last spring, I was here kind of two weeks uh, by myself, and this was the first church member uh, home that I had dinner in, and it occurred like the first week that I was here. And um, this person's been involved in all kinds of stuff, and, and, uh, and I'll elaborate more in a minute, but um, our volunteer of the month, and, and probably for a lifetime, is Miss Karen Olson. Come here, Karen. <laughs> Come here. Come here. See? See? <laughs> Please don't. I know. Please don't kill me. Oh, she is just absolutely the best. She was staring holes through me after I said her name. Oh, my gosh. She, uh, man, if you've been around here for a long time, you know that she definitely has the gift of hospitality for years. Uh, she and members of her family have uh, gone the extra mile in decorating our church for the holiday season and always fresh flowers lots of times up here that, that they take care of. Countless expenses out of their own pocket uh, over the years for these kinds of things because they care about their church and um, served meals here for a long time. I mean, you probably have eaten some food, whether you knew it or not, uh, that, that Miss Karen has, has fixed. And... Uh, Man, we just couldn't do what we do around here without you and people like you. And so thank you uh, so much for sharing your gift of hospitality with us. I love you personally, and so thank you. Oh, man, I'm going to get it later for that one. <clears throat> and then, uh, I know Travis already mentioned this. Uh, I want to invite you to be here on Sunday, August the 18th, and actually for the three Sundays after that. Uh, I'm going to begin a series on Sunday, August the 18th called Rebrand, and I'm not, I don't think this is going out on a limb, uh, and in my short tenure here in a year and a half, it'll be the most important message series to date uh, that I've shared with the church body, and so I want to encourage you to be here on the 18th and then for the three Sundays uh, after that. That includes Labor Day, so like you got to, you no know Lake Days. Can't go to the lake that weekend, got to be here. And so, um, so I'm going to do a series called Rebrand, the 18th Vision Sunday. That's going to be a great time. We've got all kinds of activities planned. Rumor has it that there will be a, a John Deere engine, okay, not a big tractor, but an engine uh, that makes ice cream uh, that's going to be here on the 18th. And so I, I haven't seen it yet. And so I'm curious. And so that's going to be a great day, so I hope to see you here in a couple of weeks. If you got your Bibles, and I hope you do, would you turn with me to Matthew chapter 10? 
And by the way, we've got new pew Bibles, and so if you don't have a Bible, would you just take one of these with you? Um, That's our gift to you. And so if you're here this morning and you don't have a Bible, we'd love for you to have one, and so you can just help yourself uh, to one of those pew Bibles this morning. And um, while you're turning there, just let me begin here. Last week we talked about praying a dangerous prayer. Do you remember that prayer from Ramesh Richard? I want to put it on the screen for you. That prayer was this, Lord, do things we're not used to. Do things that we're not used to. This is a, a dangerous prayer to pray, and we pray this prayer because it's our desire that God would show up in our midst and, and do some things that we're not used to, that He would dumbfound us, that He would do some things in our presence in this community of faith, in this church that would amaze us and, and do things that we can't take credit for. And so that's what makes this a dangerous prayer. Lord, you move in such ways that will just amaze us and dumbfound us. And listen, the reason that we pray the dangerous prayer is that you and I have a dangerous calling. You you and I have a dangerous calling. We're, We're on a dangerous mission together. Jesus has called us to something that is not for the weak or the timid. And so last week we looked at dangerous prayer. Today we're going to take a look at dangerous calling. And so let's just dive right in. If you've got your Bibles, this is Matthew chapter 10 is where we're going to be today. And I want to begin in verse 16. Let's look at this together. In the verses just prior to this, if you remember just by way of rewind, if we go back to Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, Jesus has set his disciples down on a mountainside and he's preached to them the Sermon on the Mount. Basically, how to live a kingdom-oriented life. And then in chapters 8 and 9, he's put his power on display. He's done all kinds of miracles. And so you have these disciples who are following him around, who've been listening to his teaching, who've observed his power, who've observed his miracles. They followed him around, and now what he's getting ready to do is he's saying, I'm now going to send you out into ministry. So these things you've been watching me do, he's like, tag, you're it. Now it's your turn. And so this is how Jesus sends them out. Look at this, verse 16. He says, behold, it's pretty clear here, behold, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Now let's just pause right there for a second. How how many of you have a life verse? Nobody knows what I'm talking about. Some of you have a life verse. Right? Some of you have this one verse that over the years has just really meant something to you. I see some hands going up, right? It's not uncommon for us who've grown up in the church to have this life verse that, that we, it happened somewhere along the way. It's just really been meaningful to us. Uh, mine, for whatever reason, it just, I, don't, I don't know why it's going to seem random, but mine's Luke 2.52, which is Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. And I've always looked at that verse as this holistic approach, right? Jesus grew in wisdom. He was getting smarter. He grew physically. He grew socially. He grew spiritually. Like that verse has always meant something to me. Well, here's the deal. I don't know anybody who has this verse as their life verse. Behold, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. This is not the most inspiring word picture in the Bible, is it? Like, by show of hands, who wants to be a sheep among wolves? Anybody? Like, not me. And look at how Jesus puts it. I mean, he's like emphatic. He says, I am sending you out. This has got this sense of divine commission. I'm intentionally sending you out 
as sheep among wolves. It's if Jesus is saying something like this, hey, if you wake up some morning and you're surrounded by wolves, I don't want you to be surprised. Like I know about them. I know where they are. And listen, I'm sending you out anyway. I intend for you to go. And so speaking for myself and maybe speaking for several of us in the room as some of these so-called sheep, I've got a few questions. So I'd say, Lord, why would you do this? Like, what, why? Wolves eat sheep. Lord, if it's all the same to you, I'd rather just stay here in this pen uh, where it's safe, <laughs> where, where it's kind of hard for the wolves to get to me. Or I might say, and Lord, what am I supposed to do when the wolves come after me? Th- these are fair questions. Because C- I don't know if you know this, the wolves are undefeated against the sheep. Okay? I mean, that's just a fact. When you send out sheep among wolves, those wolves are going to be dining on lamb chops and a nice bottle of Chianti for dinner tonight. I mean, that is what is going to happen. But let's be clear about this. Jesus is saying, you are the sheep. I am your shepherd. All around you are ravenous wolves. I see them. I know where they are. I know they want to kill you. And I'm sending you out among them anyway. Like, this is hard to understand, isn't it? This is like a death sentence given to us by our shepherd. Jesus is not sending his sheep out here with the general warning, hey, like, be careful out there. This is wolf country. I mean, that's true, of course, but but Jesus means much more than that. In fact, let me take this a step further. It's not as if Jesus is saying, hey, I'm sending you out into a dangerous place, but don't worry, at the last second, like a superhero, I'm going to swoop in and save you. Like, he can do that. He might do that. But there is absolutely no guarantees that Jesus will do that. There's no promise of deliverance here connected to this verse. This is more kind of like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Do you remember them standing in front of King Nebuchadnezzar in the fiery furnace just a few feet away? And they look at him and they say, like, our God's able to deliver us. And we think that he will. But even if he doesn't, we're not going to bow down to this golden image. Like this scene that's unfolding, this command, this mission that Jesus is giving the disciples, and by extension you and me, this isn't by accident. Jesus is telling us something about our dangerous calling. He's saying you're in danger all day long. Then look at the second half of this verse. We've got a lot of animals. This is like a zoo happening up here. The second half of that verse says, So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Well, what does that mean? Well, I think the primary point of comparison is this. Snakes are crafty. Like they know how to disguise themselves. They know how to... F- hide underneath a rock. They know how to find the shadows, how to stay out of the way. And I think Jesus means, hey, I'm sending you out into a very dangerous situation. Be smart. Be cautious. Don't be naive. In other words, don't be an idiot and walk up to a wolf and taunt it. Stay in the shadows. Be crafty. Be wise. And then this part about doves, I think, speaks to our vulnerability. I think what he's saying is be harmless and vulnerable like a dove. Don't defend yourself with some sort of 
worldly form of power. If there's trouble out there, let it be because the wolves decided to come after you. You need to be blameless. Don't retaliate, right? Don't fall for the temptation for retaliation. And so that brings us back. He sends them out with this mission, tells them to be wise and blameless, and then he brings us back to this question, Lord, we know you're the good shepherd. We we know that you love us. I mean, we believe that. But why would you put us in such a dangerous situation? Why in the world would you send us out as sheep among wolves? Why so dangerous a mission? Well, I believe the verses that follow this give us three answers to that question. And so look at this with me. Begin in verse 17. It says, Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues. And you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake, to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. Not if, but when they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given to you In that hour, for it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. So here's the first answer. We are sent out as sheep among wolves so that we might bear witness to the nations. That we might bear witness to the nations. If you look at that passage again, look at how Jesus puts it. He's like, they will hand you over. Okay, that's bad. They will beat you. Well, that's worse. They will hand you over to governors or to other authorities. That doesn't sound good. Then it changes. Well, you will bear witness for me to the nations. Well, that's kind of good. You don't have to worry about what to say. Well, that's better yet. And then it gets even great. You'll be given what to say in that hour because the Holy Spirit will speak through you. I mean, that's fantastic. And so Jesus sends us out into a dangerous situation, not with the promise of deliverance, but that he will speak through you. Isn't that fantastic? The whole point is very clear. I think Jesus is trying to say, like Jesus is in charge of everything that happens to us. Like the good, the bad, the happy and the sad, the positive things and the negative things. All of it. He knows all about the wolves. And he sends us out into the wolves anyway. It's been part of his plan from the beginning. I don't know if you'll remember these words. Maybe you will or not. This little phrase, I am a Christian and I will remain a Christian. Does that ring a bell with anybody? I am a Christian and I will remain a Christian. Well, perhaps you're familiar with the story of Miriam Ibrahim. These were the words, I am a Christian and I will remain a Christian, that Miriam Ibrahim uttered to the prosecutor in Sudan who tried to get her to renounce her faith. The story made headlines about five years ago, back in 2014, and Miriam Ibrahim was a young medical doctor, and she was arrested, tried, and convicted of apostasy and adultery while she was serving in the Sudan. And her crime, again, was this, supposedly converting to Islam when, in fact, she had been raised as a Christian. 
She wasn't apostate because you can't leave a religion you never joined in the first place. So she was never Muslim. She had never converted to Islam. She had been brought up as a Christian. Then they accused her of adultery because she had a child with her husband who was a Christian from Sudan but who had immigrated to the United States. And as it turns out, her husband's family wasn't real happy about all of this, and so they turned her in, and the authorities arrested her for this apostasy and adultery. And in fact, she was pregnant at the time, and she was arrested, and so the adultery charge was because she had had sex with her husband, who wasn't a Muslim. And so they sentenced her to death for the apostasy They sentence her to a hundred lashes for the adultery, and then they put her on the stand, and in three days of testimony, time and time again, the prosecutor came after her, trying to get her to renounce her faith, trying to get her to say that she didn't believe in Jesus, that she would convert to Islam, and time and again, she would say, I am a Christian, and I will remain a Christian. After the U.S. ambassador got involved, this is kind of how the story ends, she was eventually released. And when she was interviewed by the media in the days after this, Miriam said, her heart breaks for the women of Sudan. And then she added this, she said, there are many Miriams in Sudan and throughout the world. It's not just me. Jesus told his disciples what would happen to those who follow him. One time he's speaking with them, he says, hey, in this world you will have tribulations, but take courage, I have overcome the world. You see, this is hard to resonate with us. Like many Christians in the West, like we don't take verses like that very seriously. When we hear verses like that, we we hear about the atrocities against Christians in the Middle East and in other countries, and we think, well, that could never happen here. And I would just tell you this morning, don't be so sure about that. I look through the scriptures, I see no promise anywhere that promises American Christians that things like this won't happen to us. It's not in there. You, You won't be shielded from the suffering necessarily. And Miriam Ibrahim has shown us the truth of Jesus' words. She suffered for the name of Christ. And he gave her words to say, and she testified before the nations. That's exactly what Matthew 10 says will happen. That's always been Jesus' plan. And so there's your first answer to the question, why does Jesus send us out as sheep amongst the wolves that One reason is so that we will testify to the nations before the world. There's also a second answer in the text. Look at verse 21. Brother will deliver brother over to death, and the father his child, and children will rise against parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute you in one town, flee to the next. For truly, I say to you, you will not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. Here's answer number two. One of the reasons that we're sent out as sheep among wolves is so that we might demonstrate the reality of our faith. 
Jesus kind of paints a frightening picture of like the total breakdown of society in these verses here. Right? We've got brother against brother. We've got father betraying the child. We've got children betraying the parents. We've got Christians are hated by everyone. They end up fleeing from one city to another. And perhaps this most sobering part, he's like, hey, you can't go anywhere. You'll have not gone through all the towns of Israel. Like, this is how it will be until Jesus comes again. This is how it was in the first century. This is how it is in the 21st century. The wolves are still on the prowl. The the sheep are in danger everywhere, even here in America. And, And sometimes we suffer persecution so that we can demonstrate that our faith is real. Now, I want us to have an honest discussion about persecution here in America, okay? Could, could we just agree for a moment that most of us still have it pretty good? Would you agree with that? I mean, we're not getting beheaded. We're not getting thrown to the lions. We're not being put into prison. We're not being asked to step into the fiery furnace. Last count, there's over 300,000 evangelical Christian churches in this country. It is legal to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. It's legal to proclaim the gospel. It's legal to convert to Christianity. Like, we have it pretty good. We don't want to miss all the things that we have to be thankful for and pretend like everybody's out to get us, okay? That is not the case. When we face trials or experience opposition because of our faith, let's not throw a pity party. This doesn't mean that we can't respond to criticism. This doesn't mean that we shouldn't defend ourselves. Absolutely, we should do those things. But there's something disingenuous about the Christian who can only talk about how bad things have gotten or how much he or she has suffered. Like, don't be a complainer. Having said that, let's not minimize the extent to which Christianity and Christians are coming under fire these days. I don't want to minimize that. We're facing increasing intolerance in this country. There are fines. There are lawsuits. There are people who have lost jobs. There's general public disdain, right? These things are not figments of our imagination. But but no amount of PR work is going to rescue the church from being thought of by some as like backwards and bigoted. Like some people are always going to think that about us. And I would just tell you this morning that you can't out-nice your way and you can't out-justice your way into cultural acceptance. Not if you hold to traditional biblical values, especially on things like gender and sexuality and marriage women's right to choose and our stance on life, like you, you, if you hold to some traditional biblical values, you're going to come under fire. It just doesn't matter. And it doesn't help the church, and somebody needs to hear this today, okay? It doesn't help the church or fellow Christians to insist that we kindly acquiesce to the culture's demands. 
we have an opportunity to defend the faith as we defend each other. If we faithfully follow Jesus in this world, we will face persecution. It will happen. Even American Christians, we have crosses to carry. And sometimes persecution happens, and when it happens, it's an opportunity for us to demonstrate that our faith is real. And then lastly, he gives us this third answer. Jesus tells us another reason that I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves. He gives it in our text here. Look at verse 24. He says, A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebul, how much more will they malign those of his household? Well, let me just clear something up real quick because that might look confusing to you. When they're referring to Beelzebul, in essence, they're calling Jesus Satan there. Okay, That's what's happening in that verse. And so here's your third answer. We're sent out as sheep among wolves that we might become like Christ through our suffering. We become more like Christ through our suffering. You look at this verse, Jesus is the teacher, we are the disciples, Jesus is the master, we are the slaves, Jesus is the head of the house, we are part of his family. And what happened to Jesus? He was crucified. What makes you and I think that that we can experience anything better than that? Simply put, the disciples, you and I, should not expect to be treated any better than Jesus was treated. If they called Jesus himself Satan, how, how much more should disciples of Jesus expect from the culture, from society? And I promised the rose bushes here. Did that even make sense? I pulled that out of nowhere. I don't even understand that. It's not all rainbows and butterflies and unicorns. That was better. Rose bushes, that's ridiculous. Okay. ADHD is kicking in. Where does this leave us? We've got the words of Jesus. So what do we say about this? Well, here's one answer. Only a fool would send sheep out among wolves. That's how you get sheep killed. Send a sheep out among the wolves. He's got no chance against the wolves. Only a fool would do that or the Son of God. Let me tell you what Jesus is telling us here. He's saying, you are in danger all day long and go anyway. There are wolves. They have you surrounded and I'm sending you anyway. They have killed a lot of sheep, and I'm sending you anyway. And so if you're like me, I'm struggling for the hope here. I don't want this dangerous calling. Let me give you the hope. Jesus is saying, as I'm sending you out, I'm going with you. I'm going before you. I'm going beside you. I'm going above you. 
I'm going beneath you. You are not going alone. You'll never be alone. I am always with you. And Jesus knows what he's doing. He's not promising us that we won't be hurt. We might be hurt. He is not promising us that we won't die. We may die or we may live a long life. Who knows? But here's the main point, the real application, the bottom line of this whole passage is that Jesus knows what he's doing. And friends, you can trust him. Jesus knows what he's doing. And you can trust him. This is not a mistake. This is not a misprint. This is for sure sheep among wolves. You and I have been called to something that is not for the weak and the timid. I had a professor in college. His name was Dr. James Shields. He was one of my Bible professors. And in fact, he was my preaching professor. And he was a very intimidating man. I couldn't find a picture of him because I, all I had to do is put his picture up on the screen and you'd be like, oh, I, get, I see what you're saying. He was a stocky man. He had white hair and it was in a buzz cut. And he looked like he, he wanted to beat you up. Like, I just always. Like, he just, he had like a permanent scowl on his face. Very nice gentleman, by the way. He just looked rough. And we would be in preaching class. And uh, preaching class is difficult. I would much rather do this, what I'm doing right now, in front of 10,000 people than preach in front of Dr. James Shields and like 10 other of my classmates. And so we would stand up in preaching class, and if at any time you were standing up there preaching and you uh, didn't speak and teach with authority, and you got a little weak or timid, and he could sense that, he would stop. He would just stop you right in the middle of it, and he would say, Mr. Alexander, we don't need any namby-pamby milk toast Christians in here. Oh my gosh. I'm having flashbacks. Somebody help me. Oh man, you would only make that mistake once. But here's the deal. Another thing he used to tell us, he was an ex-military guy, he was in the Coast Guard, and he always used to remind us that our calling as pastors wasn't for the weak. But our calling as disciples of Christ, not just as pastors, your calling as well as mine was not for the weak. And he would say, men, we've got this saying in the Coast Guard, you have to go out, but you don't have to come back. Who's feeling encouraged? <laughs> you have to go out, but you don't have to come back. And so it is for all of us. You have to go out. You have to go out. So you don't have to come back. If we are sheep in the midst of wolves, what comfort is there? Well, thankfully, Paul gives us a little encouragement in Romans chapter 8. Look at what he says. You're probably familiar with this passage. This is a great one. By the way, if you need a life verse, there's a couple in here that are pretty good. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution 
or famine or nakedness or danger or sword. As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. And look at this. Paul says that we are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. He says, no. And all these things were more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels or rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. There's your hope. That this is a dangerous mission, friends, that we're on. This is a dangerous calling. And we go anyway. And we trust in the promise that Jesus is always with us. We have confidence as sheep among wolves, knowing that nothing that happens to us can separate us from the love of God. Would you bow your heads and pray with me for just a moment? The band's going to come back out and we're going to play and enter into a time of communion and sing one last song, but I just want to pray for us just quickly this morning. If you're here this morning and you've yet to place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, I want to encourage you to do so. And you might be saying, why would I want to become a Christian if I'm going to be sent out as sheep among wolves? And I would just tell you that there's no greater calling. There's absolutely nothing better than you can do with your life than go on mission with Jesus. And so if you're here this morning and you haven't put your faith and trust in him, I would encourage you to do so. And so after the service is over with, I mean, you can let us know on one of those connection cards or you can just come down front here after the service and grab me, I would love nothing more than to talk with you about what it means to place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, to become a sheep. If you're here today and you're already a sheep, you're already a Christ follower, then I want to pray encouragement over you this morning. So as we head into this time of communion, let's pray. Oh, Lord, we are glad that this is in the Bible. Sometimes our hearts are filled with fear. And we thank you that you have called us and that you send us and that you go with us even in the midst of the wolves. So grant us courage today, God, wherever you send us to stay put and to speak the good news of Jesus so that whether by life or death, Christ might be glorified in us. Father, burn this truth into our hearts that nothing, nothing, 
can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.